Well, hello there. It's time again for the Florida Roundtable. I am Melissa Fox, and this week I've got a great show put together again for you. We're going to talk about cryptocurrencies and NFT. What's that mean? Oh, you'll find out. I have to find out too, and we'll find out together. We're going to talk to a gentleman whose parents helped him achieve the American dream. Oh, it's such a great story. You're going to love it. We've got a couple of authors on the hook today, too. We're going to talk to one who is trying to bring an end to racial division. It's a great book. Find out more about that in just a moment. And we've got another author. This book is how to deal with your teenage daughter in the digital age. All this and more coming up on this week's Florida Roundtable on the Florida Talk and Entertainment Network. Stay right there. This boating season, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission wants to remind you to wear your life jacket. You make a difference in the life of your family. As a parent, it's your job to keep your kids safe and be there for them. You do it at home, at school, and you need to do it on the water as well. Always wear your life jacket and have your children wear theirs too. It's a basic step that saves lives. Life jackets save lives. Wear it, Florida. Visit myfwc.com for more information. That's myfwc.com. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-398-0651. 800-398-0651. 800-398-0651. That's 800-398-0651. Is your bathroom looking old and worn out? Want to update it, but you don't know where to start? Then let BCI Bath & Shower show you how to turn that old bath into an aisle of beauty and functionality. Our residential bathroom solutions provide the best value on the market, and our customer service is second to none. Our cost-effective BCI Bath & Shower family of products has what you need. Remodeling our bathroom was a big decision for us. They didn't make a mess out of our house at all. And at the end of the day, we had a beautiful new bathroom. And it was a great experience the whole way through. We have the best monthly payment programs in the industry with payments as low as $68 per month or no interest, no payments for 18 months. That's right. Get the bathroom of your dreams now and pay for it in 2022. Call 1-800-961-7639 for a free no-obligation price quote. That's 1-800-961-7639. When you want quality bathroom products at a great price, it's got to be BCI Bath & Shower. That's 1-800-961-7639. Welcome back to the Florida Roundtable. Melissa Fox. And, you know, one of my favorite things is sushi. And I've learned a lot about it over the years. But more importantly, I want to have a go-to sushi guy. I want to know how it works, how you get here, and how you deal with the fact that Asian Americans aren't necessarily Chinese or Japanese. But sushi seems to be American nowadays. And with me now, a very cool guy. He is the CEO of Sushi Maki. And that is Abe Ng. Hi, Abe. How are you? Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. Now, South Florida's award-winning go-to sushi restaurant. You have more than 20 locations down there? 
Yeah, that's right. All in South Florida. Uh, we, we have over 20 units here in the Tri-County area, Miami-based. So that's where our uh, our sweet spot is, uh, uh, Metro Miami. Now, Abe, you you are you are the epitome of the American dream, are you not? Well, yeah, no, I I actually like my new title as the go-to sushi guy for you, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely am a, a product. <laughs> I'm a son of a of an immigrant, and was always reminded growing up by my father that uh, this is the greatest place to to live and grow up, and uh, America is the greatest country where. You know, dad came with $70 in his pocket and built an incredible empire himself. And he said that if you grow up poor in other countries, you're probably going to stay poor. This is the country that can really make a jump, you know, from from, from one level to the next in, in a single generation. And dad is kind of living epitome of that. So, Abe, sushi is supposedly Japanese, right? And you just said yeah. you're Chinese-American. How did you make that transition? Well, uh, mom and dad are from, from Hong Kong, so we are ethnically Chinese. It's interesting you say that. We, we use that in our training, that sushi, you know, my generation, and one before probably in, in this country was considered Japanese food. But I think to, to next the newer generations, it's just food. Um, and, and the example we always give is pizza, right? Pizza is probably in, in its providence uh, Italian, but I think most people don't consider pizza to be, you know, Italian. They consider it American food. We got A Bing on here. He's my go-to sushi guy now. And with that, I want to say something that shocked a lot of you sushi lovers like myself. Salmon was not a staple. There's so much of our core go-to now in, in sushi, fruits uh, like mango, uh, cream cheese, that are you know, avocado, that are, are, are staples as ingredients, that to a purist in Japan is a little bit off-putting or maybe even offensive. And, and But, you know, you put pineapple on a pizza, people have very strong opinions. I do. I have that, strong right? opinions about that. Yeah, done below. Uh-uh. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, ketchup, on, ketchup on a hot dog. Oh, I like it on people eggs. by that, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people are offended well, by yeah. a lot of things, Abe, a lot. So. Absolutely. <laughs> but I, I will tell you at Sushi Maki, our, our core ingredient, the rice, is a very classic and traditional Tokyo-based rice recipe. And we consider our, our, our sushi instructors to be messy. You know, teaching classics and production from kind of one generation to the next. So we, we don't deviate from uh, just, uh, you know, ingredients and, and techniques um, that we learned from our, our Japanese uh, sushi chef masters, uh, you know, several decades ago. Mm-hmm. But I think that's uh, the foundation that gives us a lot of integrity in, in, in the way we construct the nigiri sushi, the way we uh, do um, the, uh, the sushi rice, which is so much of, of what you, you, you taste and feel and, and experience when you're eating sushi. Uh, in fact, I think 80% of the people that work in our company, you know, aren't born here. And English is maybe not their first language, you know, mostly Spanish speaking. But I think that's one of the things that makes our, our company special since, since we, we are uh, uh, still a, a founding family uh, run company that I can kind of walk up to one of our dishwashers and let them know that I am their child. You know, they, they come here, they work hard. Um, you know, I, I have had advantage of, of being educated in this country. And I think they see that. And that's one of the reasons why we've been able to retain our core team members into and through the pandemic. I just think if I were to encourage people that um, uh, the American dream is is alive and and well, I think it it, it, kind of checks all the boxes, you know, this this whole diversity and belonging initiative. And we look at it a little differently, you know, not just color of skin, language, or where you're from, but but multi-generational. In our company, we've got five generations that are working closely together. You've got the greatest generation, baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, Gen Z, all working together. So we, we, we think that the, the dream of um, really making a jump from one level to the next doesn't really kind of start where you're from, but 
certainly just having that hope that your, your job can be more than just a paycheck, but really can be kind of defining and growing. And I, if I were to encourage people these days is be passionate and, and find an organization that aligns with kind of your uh, your medium and long-term goal. So. Cool. Abe, we'd love to have you come back again and talk more with us. Uh, this is Abe Ng, founder of Sushi Maki, South Florida. He's also the CEO, and he's going to be my go-to sushi guy. Thanks for joining us today on the Florida Roundtable. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Hey, Florida. We know you love getting out on the water. But do you know what to wear when you're out there on the water? A life jacket, of course. And whether you're fishing, skiing, sailing, or just cruising the water, there's a perfect life jacket designed for you and your activity. Always check the label to make sure your life jacket is U.S. Coast Guard approved. Then try it on to make sure it fits properly. And then wear it. Life jackets save lives. Visit wearitflorida.com to learn more. That's wearitflorida.com. Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. Call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. 802-341-4542. 802-341-4542. That's 802-341-4542. Hello, I'm Hector Elizondo, Emmy Award-winning actor, and I want to talk to you about getting older. My body hurts, my joints ache, and sometimes I forget. I forget that doing all your own scenes for a movie isn't always the best decision, especially when you're galloping side saddle down a countryside road on a horse named Archie Bello, who seems to have only one speed, high. And pulling on his reins only seems to encourage him to go even faster. So, of course, my body hurts and my joints ache, but it's not because of my age. It's because I'm living my life. Oh, Archie Bello! Don't let life pass you by. Take care of your brain health. It may just help you stay on top of your game. As soon as this scene wraps, I'm going to kiss the ground, thank Archie Bello for his outstanding performance, feed him a carrot, and visit brainhealth.gov. Find out how you can make the most of your brain as you age at brainhealth.gov. It's the Florida Roundtable, and I always like to expose you to new things that are going on and get the best explanations possible so that we all understand and can have great conversations with family and friends. And one of the big things that's been coming up lately is NFTs and crypto. And, well, what's so nifty about nifties? Hmm? Let's find out. NFT, non-fungible tokens. And with that in mind, let's bring Dara Tarkowski into the house. How you doing, Dara? Hi, good morning. Dara Tarkowski is going to explain to me what an NFT, does, is it NIFTs or is it just NFT and crypto? How do they, how is this? Explain it all. Well, I'm going to try to do that um, as quickly as humanly possible. So the (laughs) most important thing to remember about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, and crypto, and sort of this word salad of uh, trendy terms that we've been hearing, is that really each of those things is a use case for the underlying technology known as blockchain. So Bitcoin is an application of blockchain technology. NFTs are an application of blockchain technology. So those terms shouldn't be used interchangeably. Okay, now let's explain blockchain technology for me, please. Sure. So what blockchain technology really is, is sort of this concept between centralized and decentralized and the way people, companies store data. 
everyone who's ever sat in front of a Microsoft Office product is familiar with Excel and what a table of data looks like. There's columns and there's rows. And that's how typically most organizations um, all over the world had been storing data. Sometimes they're really, really big tables and sometimes they're small ones. Blockchain technology approaches the storage and tracking and centralization of data in a completely different way. So instead of storing it in tables like you do see in a typical Excel sheet, they're in little blocks and little blocks that get attached by little uh, rings in the ladders. And every time a block of data is complete, it's completely decentralized, which means there's not just one organization that owns it. There's lots of uh, different nodes in a system that verify the accuracy of that data. So it's not just about how the data is stored, but it's also about who controls it. Okay. All right. So how how much should we be paying attention to this space of digital assets? Uh, You know, the things that cover the cryptocurrencies, the NFTs. And also, is there anything else on the horizon coming our way? Everyone should be paying very close attention to it. So as I mentioned before, a lot of these new terms that we're hearing, uh, you know, NFTs specifically uh, and all of the hype surrounding them are really demonstrated use cases of blockchain. The really exciting stuff is the other things that blockchain will enable us to do sort of as a society. And the impacts are very, very far reaching, well beyond crypto kitties. We're talking about logistics and supply chain issues. And, you know, especially in the age of COVID, I think anyone who might be able to figure out how technology can speed up our supply chain, I think everyone should be paying attention to that. I understand you've got a a child, a daughter, perhaps, that's uh, creating NFT from the house. Is it really that simple that a child can do it? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> My daughter's a creative little soul, and I was on a OpenSea or Rarible. I can't remember which site I was on. She saw some of these really cute drawings, and she was like, Mom, I can draw better than that. And then I explained to her what it was. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, she said, well, I, I think my drawings are better than those silly whales that those kids are drawing. And I said, all right, Misha, let's, let's figure out how to do that. So we walked her through the whole process on OpenSea, and we took a bunch of uh, drawings that she'd already had on her iPads, and Mom attached her Coinbase account, and we started minting. That's what we did. How do you evaluate or even cultivate worth for these assets, if you will? Right now, the way the NFT market is, is you can create an NFT of just about anything. Right now, it's a lot of it is being used for, for art or music or video. Uh, but really, an NFT, that non-fungible token, it can represent almost anything of value. So right now, all the hype is about, oh, will this you know, be a completely new way that people monetize and dig- digitize art, for example? And the answer is yes. We've already seen it happening, and artists making millions and millions of dollars uh, off of the application of the technology. But to me, the most exciting part is what else an NFT could represent. So we know it's working because... People are trading and selling crypto kitties and crypto punks, you know, all day, every day. Hmm. The lawyer in me gets more excited is like, what else could that NFT represent? Well, maybe an investor would be a whole lot more interested in NFT if it actually represented, I don't know, a fractional interest in a piece of real estate or some other asset of value that, you know, um, isn't a kid's drawing of a whale. (laughs) 
<laughs> We're talking with Dara Tarkowski. She's the co-founder and managing partner at Actuate Law. It's a tech-forward law firm for services and regulatory compliance. Covers intellectual property, fine tech, uh, data privacy, cybersecurity, and a heck of a lot more. Um, tell us a little bit about Cointech. Cointech is the legal technology subsidiary uh, of Actuate Law, and we like to think of it as our little lab. Uh, we work with so many organizations that deal with repetitive compliance issues. Cointech was our way of trying to attack some of those problems through the use of automation and technology so uh, organizations could save money on their outside counsel legal spend. Because sometimes, and I don't like to admit this very often, sometimes a bot's a little bit better than picking up the phone and calling your lawyer, um, and it's a whole lot less expensive. So those are the types of products that Cointech builds. and it's been going great. Thank you for asking. Can you define Web 3 for me? When we think about Web 3, people are like, wait, what happened to Web 1 and Web 2? <laughs> web 1, if we can remember, first phase of the Internet, user interaction was super passive, right? People put stuff online, they were reading it, and the content was static. Mm -hmm. Web 2, next major phase, was a huge sea change. It was all about interactivity and how users could create content. We post on Twitter, we update Wikipedia, we upload videos to YouTube, and we were creating the content for the Internet. Web3 is another sort of fundamental shift in the way we're dealing with the Internet, but it's very much focused on privacy and disrupting who controls data online. Three major characteristics of Web3, one is that it's open, that it's trustless, and what I mean by trustless is that the network itself will allow participants to interact without a trusted third party in between, which means you don't have a website, for example, as the one who's giving you your credentials. You really own your privacy. And the third aspect of it is that it's permissionless. So users and suppliers of data who participate won't have to participate with authorization from any governing body, a corporation, a government, or any other institution. I don't need Chase's permission to interact with my banking information. Chase is not going to control how I access my bank account. Ooh. That's the concept behind Web3. Okay, so Web3 is basically the beginning of another rapid change uh, to the World Wide Web and the dot-com era. We're talking to Dara Tarkowski about a lot of different things here. She is a, a lawyer and a speaker, and you have a wonderful uh, podcast called Tech on Reg. Now, we were talking initially about cryptocurrency and non-fungal um tokens, NFTs, and a lot of people hear these initials, these acronyms, and they're like, I have no idea where to even begin. Now, I put a couple of bucks down on some crypto myself, a little in Bitcoin, a little in Dogecoin. Do you, can you tell us about crypto? What makes one a little more viable than the other? As I said, I've split it across, uh, but I don't know which is better, Bitcoin, Dogecoin. So crypto right now, generally, there's a lot of coins, tokens, um, and I mean, hundreds and hundreds of uh, different products that you can log on to your Coinbase account or your Kraken account. Much of them, and I would say the vast majority of them, are highly, highly speculative. And I would equate them to what we used to think about like as penny stocks, right? These are, these are small, little, uh, basically little engines that are little engines that could, who are trying to like make, make some room for themselves in the crypto world. Bitcoin, for example, has been around longer than any of them, over 10 years now. And that's, you know, that's the one that's functioning as close to money as, you know, fiat currency as possible right now. 
But if you are a, if you're new to crypto investment, I would sort of dabble lightly. Make sure you sort of understand the fees involved and the exchanges. And I'd stick to sort of the major ones. So until you sort of see how the market uh, is working, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, Doge is even you know sort of uh, certainly mainstream now. Um, but I'd stay away at least for now from some of the more speculative coins until you give them some time to see how they behave or if they even exist in a few months. Yeah, yeah. I'm mean, like when I said I put some in Bitcoin and Dogecoin. I think it was under it was like under two hundred dollars. Just something that I knew I could lose. And if it did well or if there's any actual return, then I was like, oh, surprise. But right now it just keeps going up and down and up and down. There's no consistency to uh, to the crypto, at least in, in my in my little part of the world. Um, what is the difference between centralized and decentralized? All blockchain technology is decentralized. That's sort of one of the major underpinnings of the technology. So if someone is trying to sell you here, pro tip, if someone is trying to send you sell you a centralized a piece of crypto, it's not really crypto. Uh, decentralized is the underpinning of blockchain because of the various different uh, computer nodes and methods that verify the transactions and the data. Centralized currency is what banks do. Chase has the ultimate ledger of all of Chase's assets, uh -huh. and that's it. Oh. Bank of America has its own. So all crypto, anything that you are trading on Coinbase right now, anything on a blockchain is decentralized. And before I let you go, uh, Dara, how much of Americans uh, today, they're spending through debit or credit cards or digital parents, uh, pay payments? In other words, uh, a lot of spending happening, but not a lot with the hard cash. So the balance of our checking account that we read online, most of the time, is that representing money that we've never actually physically seen? Is that different or similar to the crypto system as well? So I understand the desire to want to draw that kind of analogy, but the underlying systems are fundamentally different, right? When you talk about a fiat currency that's being represented online in your checking or savings account, remember, um, if you're banking at the right sort of financial institutions, all of that is FDIC insured. So there, the Department of Treasury has to, you know, according to the OCC rules, safety and soundness, there is money there somewhere that represents what those balances look like, and that's why those accounts are insured by our government the way that they are. Um, no such safety net uh, exists with regards uh, to crypto. So I do think that while I get the analogy, it's like, well, we never see it, and all it is is a number uh, on you know an app. Right. Um, it's very it's different. fundamentally different. Perfect. And finally, are you excited about these innovations? We talked about Web3, crypto, NFT, or do these things keep you up at night from a compliance and regulation perspective? I'm going to do something very lawyerly, and I'm going to say yes and yes. Oh. I am both very excited. I am both very excited about uh, the innovations because it's really the central, uh, you know, theme of my practice and and figuring out how to utilize these new technologies for you know for clients, for investors, and society in a compliant way that you know protects the public. That's the stuff that really geeks me out. That's what gets nerds like us really, really what? excited. Exactly. So, Dara Turkowski, Managing Partner at Actuate Law and Chief Innovation Strategist at Cointech. Thank you so much for enlightening us about NFTs and crypto. And frankly, I think we should just stick with the regular banking system for now. But that's my takeaway. Again, Dara, thank you so much for being with us today on the Florida Roundtable. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Do you have a home that you don't want anymore? 
We can buy it from you within 24 hours, any home, size, or condition. For over 20 years, we've been buying homes for cash and helping homeowners sell their homes immediately with no listings or strangers walking through your home. Are you moving? Did you lose your job? Going through a divorce? Whatever the reason, if you're in a bind and you know that you need to sell your house fast, call the expert team at I Need to Sell My House Fast. We'll make you a serious cash offer to buy your home in 24 hours and let you walk away from it. No listing, no waiting. Sell any home, any size, any condition now. Call the expert team at I Need to Sell My House Fast. Make this free call now. 800-432-3916. 800-432-3916. That's 800-432-3916. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata. Growing up with a brother with autism, Sarah Crump witnessed firsthand how kids with disabilities felt left out by their peers. It's why at the age of 15, Sarah approached her cheerleading coach with an idea to include girls with disabilities on her school's cheer team. Well, what started out as an inclusive high school cheer team in a small town in Iowa has led to what is now known as Sparkle Effect, a thriving nonprofit with over 180 cheer teams across the United States, bringing students with and without disabilities together through cheerleading. The result? More confidence, higher grades, and better school attendance for kids with disabilities. And for those without a disability, new friends and a greater empathy. You want to learn more? Well, visit disabilitycampaign.org, where we have posted a link to the fabulous work known as The Sparkle Effect. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late, we stay informed, we invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans' lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. Imagine. Imagine being denied an apartment because of your religion or your race or because you have children or a disability. It's so wrong. Yes, but who has the power to stop this? You do. Each of us has the power. The law is on your side. It's illegal for landlords to discriminate because of race, color, religion, sex, national origin, disability, or familial status. If you suspect that you have experienced housing discrimination, file a complaint with HUD immediately so we can investigate it. Fair housing is your right. Use it. To learn more, visit HUD.gov slash fair housing. That's HUD.gov slash fair housing. Or call 1-800-669-9777. 1-800-669-9777. A public service message from HUD in partnership with the National Fair Housing Alliance. 
It's the Florida Roundtable, and I'll tell you, back in the day when I was a teenage girl, I was a Hellcat. Mm-hmm. And now with the digital age, oh, you like that, did you? Yeah. <laughs> with the digital age, things are even harder parenting teen girls. And with that in mind, I've got Dr. Ronnie Cohen-Sandler on the line, and she's going to talk about her new book called Anything But My Phone, Mom. Hey, welcome to the show, Dr. Ronnie. How you doing? Thank you so much. I'm doing well. So tell me about the mother-daughter relationship in the 21st century with the digital age. How is it? It's harder than ever. (laughs) (laughs) The digital age did not invent uh, the intensity and sometimes the fact that mothers and daughters can be at each other's throats. Um, that was going on for a very, very long time. <laughs> yeah. But what's changed, <laughs> right? But what's changed is that mothers today often did not grow up with smartphones and social media. And so it's really hard for them to relate to what their daughters are going through on the one hand. And also, it's really hard for them to parent because they're having trouble keeping up with what's going on in their teens and tween social lives and they're having difficulty knowing that they're keeping their kids safe, which is causing a lot of anxiety. So we're talking to Ronnie Cohen-Sandler, and uh, you decided to put together a book really helping us deal with technology and the way girls are thinking about themselves. And There's a lot on the Internet we have to deal with nowadays, body shaming, 24-hour bullying and such. How do we deal with that? How do we raise an emotionally resilient girl in the digital age? It takes a lot of thought and effort, and I suggest that mothers start preparing girls for this when they're very young. You can't start when they're 15 or 16. You have to start when they're very young. And even, you know, when you're showing them things on your phone, it's important to educate them as media consumers to understand that there are certain things that are not true, that it's distorted information or misinformation, and the fact that What people post about themselves is not always accurate. There may be uh, exaggerations. There may be airbrushed pictures. Um, So it's important that before they even get their first device, that girls have a sense that this is something that mothers and daughters are going to sit down and talk about together, that it's going to be part of their education, just as you would educate girls about anything else. So you're telling me that all the pictures and all the happy posts and and all of that, that, that's not necessarily real, but it might be a little bit of make-believe? I am. I have interviewed uh, many teenage girls. I have done workshops with them in schools, and I've certainly seen them in my practice. And what I hear from them universally is that you can't believe what you see. And the older girls get, the more they realize that their friends are not being authentic online. So many of them have said to me, I know that girl, and I know that picture that she just posted, (laughs) that happened a really long time ago. She's been so miserable and so depressed. That's just not her right now. And in fact, so many older kids have taken breaks from social media or deleted their accounts entirely because they're tired of that sort of thing. Yeah, like I said when when I started out here, it's a 24-hour bullying situation, body shaming, I never met a filter I didn't like kind of deal, and it's not real life, like you said. And the fact that a lot of preteen girls, teenage girls 
put so much weight in these posts and the comments and waiting on likes and you know it, it's it's bad it's really bad on their self images and as a mother I think it's a great idea that you get there and and talk to that daughter that you have and and I have a lot of empathy for parents who are going through it now, there were no social media accounts when my daughter was growing up. She did get a phone when she was an adolescent. Um, and it's become much more difficult now. But on the other hand, I think it's also important for parents not to focus only on the negatives because there are many, many positives that I'm seeing. Um, the girls do benefit from, from media. And they benefit in, in ways that are also important for parents to understand. There are many girls who haven't quite fit in uh, with their peers at school. They're kind of square pegs and round holes. Mm. And they've managed to find friends online. They have found communities where they get a lot of support. So it's not all bad. And it's important that parents understand that Social media is not bad in and of itself, but it can be used badly and educate their daughters about the fact that bullying is not okay. It's not okay in real life in the cafeteria, and it's not okay online. And in fact, online, it often causes more harm because more people are exposed to it. So we, this is all part of the education. Well, it's an awesome education that we need to get to out here. The book is called Anything But My Phone, Mom, Raising Emotionally Resilient Daughters in the Digital Age. I'm talking to psychologist Dr. Ronnie Cohen-Sandler. And the challenges that mothers have these days is just ridiculous. But what happens when parents divorce? How do we embrace this in its digital age? Ah, well, so many different ways. Um, I have never, in any of my books, I've never devoted an entire chapter to this, but I think it's so, so important now. So one thing that's critical is that a lot of times parents disagree about how to parent kids, and it can be one of the things that continues after they get a divorce. And so if parents aren't co-parenting, if they're parenting sort of in parallel, girls can get very different messages about technology. In one house, they can be allowed to be on their devices 24-7 if they want. In the other house, it could be strictly limited. And so when girls get these kind of mixed messages, I think it's that much harder for them to figure out what's right. So I really hope that parents can talk about these things because it's so critical. And if they can't, then parents have to be very direct with kids about, yes, um, in your other house that you live, um, you're allowed to do this. I don't agree with that. So in this house, you're going to do this. And that's very tough for parents because obviously kids are going to want to be in the house where they have, you know, carte blanche. Oh, sure. But it's not, but it's not necessarily what's best for them. So um, it's, a, it's a very big thing. The other thing, though, is that I think that technology has helped parents to co-parent better um, by by uh, eliminating the idea that they have to talk in person or talk on the phone. So being able to communicate with your child's other parent, um, sending a text or sending an email where there's a record of it and um, where it makes communication, I think, that much clearer. So I think there is some benefit to that as well. But it's still very, very hard to be a single parent in this day and age. Oh, yes, most um, definitely. Right. Um, so I have a lot of 
sympathy for parents who are trying to do this by themselves or uh, trying to do it when there's another parent who is kind of counteracting everything that they do. So in that case, I think mothers have to be really clear about what they're doing and why, explain it to their teens as best they can, but also anticipate that their teens are not necessarily going to say, oh, thank you for this, mom. I really appreciate, you know, you're setting these limits for me. Mm. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no. Maybe maybe it will at some point, 10 years or 15 years. Yeah, down, down the line, <laughs> sure. Oh, hey, Ma, I'm so glad you were hard on me because it could have, yeah. But right now, don't expect that, most definitely. So technologically, we are transforming the way girls think about themselves, how they learn, how they develop social skills, and how they communicate with everyone, all the people around them. The book is called Anything But My Phone, Mom. Raising Emotionally Resilient Daughters in the Digital Age. Psychologist Dr. Ronnie Cohen-Sandler is with us. And uh, you have any advice for fostering healthy relationships, especially when it comes to dating in the digital age? Yes, um, I think that's very, very important that as you're educating your daughter, you want to talk about how, how people speak to her online the tone that they take, the language that they take, what that they use rather, what she's learning about people from how they treat her. And when she starts dating or before she starts dating, it's important to talk about how technology can be used in a positive way and in a negative way. And so knowing what we know about how technology can be used in controlling kind of behavior and kind of emotionally abusive behavior She has to know, for example, that anybody who says that they need access to her accounts or they need to her passwords, that they need to talk to her 24-7, that she always has to respond, that she always has to have her, you know, read messages on, um, that's that's not caring. Right. That's That's controlling. That's stalking. That's craziness. So where can we get your book, Anything But My Phone, Mom? You can get it anywhere books are sold. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. Anywhere books are sold. Uh, I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, y'all both need to pick up this book, especially if you've got a preteen or a teenage daughter in the house. It's a good idea. In closing, Ronnie, anything you'd like to make sure that we get out there? Yes. Um, I want to say that remembering not to be critical or judgmental or punitive goes a really long way with teens. The more you can be empathic and project that you're there to help them, that you're an ally, you're not trying to um, separate them from their lifeline lifeline to contentment, um, goes a long way. Perfect. Ronnie, thank you so much for joining us today on the Florida Roundtable. Everybody go out there and buy the book. Go on, anything but my phone, Mom. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Looking to make your garden fresh and new this spring? Quality Green Specialists in DeLand has what you're looking for. Fancy shrubs, large trees like magnolias and hollies, beautiful flowers like supertunias and azaleas, olives, citrus, peaches, blueberries, vegetables and herbs too. Enjoy gardening at its best. Select from our quality fertilizers and organics like azomite. Great plants, sustainable products. Friendly expert advice. 335 West Michigan Avenue, DeLand and online at qualitygreenspecialist.com. Have fungus gnats invaded your potted plants? Control these pests with BTI, the active ingredient in mosquito bits. This naturally occurring bacterium kills mosquito larvae, and it also kills fungus gnat larvae in potting soil. Just follow the easy instructions on the label. Mosquito bits are harmless to people, plants, and wildlife. 
Summit Mosquito Bits are available at garden centers, hardware stores, and at summitresponsiblesolutions.com. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-513-1652. 800-513-1652. That's 800-513-1652. Life happens. Getting married, moving, new baby, loss of health insurance. If you had a life-changing event, you may qualify for a special enrollment period in the health insurance marketplace. Visit healthcare.gov and see if you qualify. Need help? A navigator from Covering Florida can help you through the process and find the best plan for you and your family. Visit CoveringFlorida.org or call 1-877-813-9115 to make an appointment. Assistance is always free and confidential. Welcome back to the Florida Roundtable. Now, last year, Asian hate crimes were on the rise. Since the beginning of the pandemic, even before then, um, even a bay area high school vice principal set up to decide to teach the young people about tolerance and self-acceptance and this bay area high school vice principal wrote a kid's book eyes that kiss in the corners it's a great story about a young girl who learns to love and celebrate her asian shaped eyes this book became a bestseller and now there is a sequel we have author joanna ho here hello joanna how are you I'm good. How are you? I'm great. So I got to read the companion piece that you just put out, Eyes That Speak to the Stars. And the, both these books are great. So far, just wonderful. The, the illustration is beautiful. The story is so well thought out, and it's just awesome. Uh, tell us, Joanne, how, how did you come up with all of these, uh, these wonderful concepts in order to help um, you know, deal with the tolerance and, and self-acceptance as well of Asians? Sure. I, it's something that um, I grew up feeling is just that my eyes were not big enough, that they were not round enough. You know, I never saw myself in books or in stories um, as a child. And so when I, had my first, um, when I had my first child, that's when I started writing books. And then I start, I wrote Eyes That Kiss in the Corners because I wanted to make sure that my own kids, but also my younger self, you know, could feel that pride of not just the way that our eyes are shaped, but of what, what they signify, where they come from, our families and our histories. And so that's really where the first book was born. Eyes That Speak to the Stars, the one that is just released. Um, goes a little bit deeper into those concepts. I wanted to touch on um, some of the more overt things that happen that can be harmful. So the microaggressions that face Asian kids in school. So in this case, um, the young boy's friend draws a picture of his eyes, um, like two lines. And so he goes through his male family members to really come to understand his own power and his own beauty. And so that's sort of, you know, that's where it's born. It's really born through my own personal experiences and then through like a love and a concern for my own kids. We're talking with author and educator. There we go. Let me try that again. 
We're talking with author and educator Joanna Ho. Now, you're the daughter of immigrants, right? Taiwan and China, respectively. And That's right. you were motivated to write this because it, it speaks to your own heritage. Did you find that you had uh, had a little problem with racism or acceptance when you were growing up here? Oh, absolutely. Um, I I think so many Asian children, they face lots of either very overt or very subtle forms of racism. Um, so whether that's kids pulling up their eyes um, and then saying things like ching chong, wing wong when I was a kid oh. or even when I like walked down the street um, to things that are more subtle, like, you know, only having Disney movies and books that describe beauty as like golden hair people with big blue eyes, which is just the polar opposite of me. So, you know, things like that really send a clear message, even when you're very young. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing is so many people don't realize how, how far reaching these things are with the Disney princess. And and finally, the princesses have kind of caught up a little bit. I mean, we're getting there. But it's right. been a long time coming, and, and you're right, you know, it's whether it's people of color, people of different ethnic backgrounds, but mm-hmm. we're all a melting pot here, and yet, you know, you, you had to write a book to help address it, and, and such a great book, too. Eyes that speak to the star, that speak to the stars, Eyes that Speak to the Stars is a wonderful <laughs> new book that you put out. It's the second in the series. You can have a third right. companion piece. Mm-hmm. There is actually. It's called um, "Eyes That Weave the World's Wonders," and Ooh. it follows a young transracial, transnational Asian adoptee who's adopted from Korea into to a family in the U.S. So it it has um, a similar structure, but a, a different storyline. Now, one of the takeaways that I took uh, that I got from "Eyes That Speak to the Stars" was that there is a great family structure here. We had not only the mm. father, but we had the grandfather, and they were all relatable. And the boy in the story, the main, he was able to, to, to speak and find the heritage and hear these stories from his grandpa and from his dad, and then look further into his little brother and see this, you know, coming around as well. What a great story you wove. Is it real in, in reality? Are, are families like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think in lots of um, cultures, you have intergenerational relationships. You know, a lot of the relationships in this book are based on the relationships that I've experienced with my own family or the ones that I see that surround my children. And so that's another thing that I for sure wanted to capture is just the love and and the strength within our families that um, you know, is continually passed down. Now, are you a Bay Area High School vice principal? I sure am. <laughs> what? I'm in my office right now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So we are we are talking with Joanna Ho. She's an author and a vice principal at high school. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with all the Asian hate crimes and such that have been on the rise, or at least making the narrative now, I, honestly, I'm not sure that they're risen up more, that they're just being reported more. I, I don't know for sure. But I do know that yeah, we are I, hearing a lot more about it. I think it's probably, it's a little both, if, I mean, mm-hmm. if that's possible. So I think it's something that has always existed. It's very much a fabric of the history of this country. 
um, that we don't often learn about in schools. And I think that um, there has certainly been a rise. And I think that it's being reported more. You know, I think that the pandemic and um, the messaging that has gone out about the pandemic um, about Asian people has certainly contributed to that. And I think it's an issue that has um, been present for centuries in this country. And I'm grateful that, you know, it's starting to be something we speak about more openly. So initially, Joanna Ho puts out a book called Eyes That Kiss in the Corners. It's about tolerance and self-acceptance for uh, Asian children. And it's a really great story about a young girl who learns to love and celebrate her Asian-shaped eyes. And then you decided to put out a companion piece, this latest one, which is Eyes That Speak to the Stars. And this one's about a young Asian boy who notices that his friends notice his eyes are different. This is a great, timely, and vital story. And um, I'm just wondering, do uh, how did your, your family receive these books? Oh, I, it's been such a um, beautiful experience for me um, because I think in writing these books, I've also come to learn so much more about my own family history and the history of Asian people in this country. And so through this storytelling, these books and the other ones that I have been working on and that will be out soon, um, I think that it's been a way that I've been able to show my own family how much I value them and value what they've passed along to me. And and so I think that not only are they proud, oh, she's like finally published a book. I, I learned how important language is to continuing to pass on culture and understanding history and to be able to be connected to generations. And so it's something that I've come to really value myself and for my kids. Folks, you need to pick up this one now, Eyes That Speak to the Stars. The illustrations are absolutely beautiful. Who did you have do those for you? Oh, I mean, her name is Young Ho. She's um, Vietnamese. She lives in Vietnam. I take no credit for choosing her. That is all the work of my editor. But I just okay. feel so fortunate. Yeah, I feel so fortunate because her art really is stunning. It really is. Folks, if you get a chance, you need to pick it up. But is it available at uh, just about every brick-and-mortar bookstore or online? Yep, yep, everywhere. Target. All right, HarperCollins. You know, yep, independent bookstores. <laughs> That's right. Perfect. So look for author Joanna Ho. Try to find the book Eyes That Speak to the Stars or Eyes That Kiss in the Corners. And the newest one should be out uh, how long? Today. Ah, Eyes okay. Eyes That Speak to the Stars right. is out today. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for continuing to help uh, fix this racial divide that we have here and, and preach tolerance and, and, and acceptance as well. It's for the kids, man. I mean, yeah. You yeah. guys, you got to learn to accept yourself. Everybody's unique, right? That's right. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. You. you keep writing them. I'll keep reading them. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> All right, Joanna Ho on the Florida Roundtable. We'll see you again sometime. Thanks so much. All right. Florida law requires you to remain at the scene of a crash and to call for help. Leaving the scene is a felony offense that includes losing your license and possible jail time. After a crash, stay at the scene, call for assistance, and wait for first responders to arrive. If you have information on a hit-and-run crash, report it by calling Star FHP or anonymously to Crime Stoppers at Star Star 8477. A message from the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. 
Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-398-0651. 800-398-0651. That's 800-398-0651. When it comes to serving our fellow man, most of us tend to live with a do not disturb sign over our heart. We think, I'm too busy, leave me alone. I don't wanna get involved. Our culture is overrun with the attitude, it's all about me. But as Rick Warren said in his bestseller, The Purpose Driven Life, a meaningful life begins when we realize it's not all about me, it's all about God. When we begin to know our creator through Jesus Christ and begin to worship God and serve him, then we begin to realize the way we serve God is to serve our fellow man, especially those in need. It's All About Me is an incredibly selfish outlook. It leads to emptiness and spiritual deadness. Serving God means serving others. What if you or someone you love were to need help? Wouldn't you want someone to stop and help you? This is Brian Wright, speaking right from my heart. Visit rightfromtheheart.org and click sermons to view and download Bryant's messages. That's rightfromtheheart.org. Shortness of breath, patients confused, temp 102. He just had an infection. What's going on? It's becoming septic. Antibiotics started. Bed ready, let's move him. Infections can lead to a deadly chain reaction in your body called sepsis. Very quickly, sepsis can cause tissue damage, organ failure, and even death. If you know the risks, can spot the symptoms, and act fast, then you can get ahead of sepsis. Learn more at cdc.gov sepsis. My muscles ached. I was tired all the time. My son had a full-blown asthma attack. It came out of nowhere. The unsettling thing about some symptoms is... I had a fever and these terrible headaches. You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite. I had Zika virus from a mosquito. He had a reaction to cockroach allergens. Threats to your health can come from unexpected places. Get the facts. Visit pestworld.org. A public service message from the National Pest Management Association. You've been listening to the Florida Roundtable, a news and public affairs presentation of the Florida News Network. The views and opinions expressed during this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of this station's management, ownership, or sponsors. For questions or comments, write to Florida Roundtable at fnnonline.net.